Welcome to Eye on the Illini. This is Illini Guy Mike Kegley here with uh, Kedrick Prince, the director of recruiting for Illini Guys, and Matt Stevens, the Illini Guys staff writer. And we are going to talk a little bit about a mid-year grade card for these fighting Illini. They are in the bye week, sitting at 6-1 and one with an outstanding defense, with an offense that has surprised folks. And um, we kind of wanted to go, we'll kind of start off with the, maybe an overall score, and then we're going to go down into the individual uh, position groups and kind of talk about our thoughts on those. So, Matt, um, you know, the, the, I believe the over on this, the wins for this team was a whopping 4.5 maybe at the start of the year. We're at 6-1 and one for the first time since – Ron Zook did it years ago. Um, where do you put this team right now if you had to grade them on their midterm? Well, yeah, there's a lot of people that have already cashed that that uh, that future. Um, no doubt about that. Uh, I mean, if we're, if we're letter grading this, like I'd go a, I'd go a minus okay. only because the, the the game in Bloomington holds you back from being seven and zero and potentially having a chance at, you know, getting to Indianapolis, getting to the Michigan game undefeated, and then having a whole bunch of people talk about whether or not you're going to try to TCU the hell out of this thing and maybe be the college football playoff, you know, Cinderella story, essentially. Um, that's the only reason I give it an A-. minus. Uh, I think everything has has kind of gone the way of Illinois this year and on both sides of the ball, but specifically on defense. Um, they've allowed a developing offense to continue to do exactly that, which is develop each and every week, um, knowing that the, the defense is, is basically going to suffocate the heck out of you and, and basically take your soul um, so that the offense can continue to put points on the board. The only thing is that I would say is that there is going the rent is going to come due with the uh, red zone and the inside the 10 yard line stuff that they're doing um, and then the struggles they're having there. Um, but I think overall, I think from a, from, if you go from offense, defense, special teams and coaching staff, total it all together, you know, I would give it around, you know, a, a, you know, three, uh, you, you give it, a, you know, if 4.0 is a perfect a, you know, you, you, you give it, a, you give it as close to a 4.0 as you can. I'd give it an a minus all, all for an overall grade. Perfect. So Ked, where would you put this team? I'm giving them an A. I have a little bit different take on, on two of the things that Matt talked about. The Indiana game was a hookup on it's a hiccup on the record, but I'm really sorry. I'm one of those people who cry and whine a lot. That game was taken from them. I don't think I mean it's a loss on the on the loss column. Illinois played well enough to win. I think the guys in the stripes or whatever you want to call them, gray shirts or whatever, I think they had a lot to do with that. But you know, it's it's a loss. Um, the one thing I, you know, I knew was going to come up, a lot of people were going to be, you know, or a lot of people have been kind of negative about Illinois in the red zone. I have a different take on that. And here's my take. Early in the season, nobody said anything about that. It never came up because they were getting the ball in the end zone. They were scoring. What's happened the last few weeks is that people have to remember they have played three of the top 25 best defenses in the country. Iowa and Minnesota are in the top 10, and Wisconsin was in 15. Now they dropped to like 23 or 24. I'm not saying that, that it's easy or those are excuses, 
But there's a reason people don't score in Illinois in the red zone either. It's because those defenses are really, really good. And you have to, at some point in time, I don't want to, I'm not going to be a homer. Like I listen, I listen to a lot of different podcasts from different schools. And I have to give credit to these other schools. Iowa's defense is really good. And so is Minnesota's. Minnesota's defense impressed me more than Iowa's. Because, you know, um, you know, let's be honest, Mike, you and I were sitting there, you know, in the press box last week and we said that to each other. I didn't think they played anybody good enough, but I'll tell you what. I know Chase Brown would have broken at least three of those tackles against other teams in the Big Ten. I, against Nebraska, because the run defense is horrible, Chase may run for 200 yards. So I'm not going to be one of those guys to be critical of the red zone offense because I can assure you the more teams that they play that's not some of the best defenses, those are going to become touchdowns and not points. Yeah, and, and I got to be honest with you. When I look at this um, – there's a part of me that says, you know, Indiana, you know, it was, it was a, a last, you know, minute drive that we've seen before last season. And there's, and, and it was frustrating. And of course the touchdown that should have been, that wasn't, but I almost wonder if coach B needed that window of opportunity to really like uh, uh, reach in and, and, grab these guys attention and so a teachable moment yes and and sometimes you need those with a team and let's face it you know there was a lot of illinois fans who were like same old same old been here done that um and were very frustrated and somehow coach bielma took that that possibility of being stuck in a loop and and look illini fans have seen that right for the last 30 years stuck in a loop a negative loop um, except for 2001 and 2007. And, and I don't know about you guys, but I was like, Oh my gosh, are we going to do this where we have three close games and we win one of them and the other two we lose. And somehow he's taken it where they have, when they have had close games after that, the Illini have won. Um, So to me, that's uh, that's something that, I guess I would tend to give them, you know, AA minus. I think the offense has been better than we expected. Um, defense has been phenomenal. Uh, it's hard to say, you know, you're going to be the 85 Bears defense or the 86 Giants or the 2000 Ravens or the 2001 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but they've, they've kind of had at least halfway through the season a remarkable time of it. Um and, you know, when you're getting compared to Georgia's defense and et cetera, um, there, there's, that's, there's no better compliment. And then the other thing I was going to say is the special teams started off really bad. And, um, I mean, really bad. Mm-hmm. And, and some of it they haven't got cleaned up. The kickoff's still a little bit of an issue. Obviously, with uh, Caleb Griffin out, it's not fair. But when you talk about Fabrizio Pinton um, going seven for seven, that's pretty amazing. But what I thought was unbelievable about that is a coach is there to create an environment for success. And what what the, the Illini coaching staff done is they've asked Pinton to do things he can do. They haven't put him in a situation where he's got to kick a 49-yarder or a 53-yarder which then leads to a lower kick, which leads to a blocked field goal that could get returned 
for a touchdown. They have put him in positions to succeed. And to his credit, he's responded with seven out of seven from the field goal. You know, so to me, that's why I maybe go up to an A as opposed to an A minus. But I think either one is a pretty darn good grade. But let's get going into some of the groups here. And let's talk a little bit about it. And we'll let you guys kind of just go around the horn. But let's talk first about the most um, the, the 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 player group that took the most arrows in the off season. I know the Illini, the Illini wide receivers. Yep. How, uh, Matt? How do you how do you put this group? Because I got to be honest with you. To me, this may be the most surprising group on the team. Yeah. Are we grading on a curve? Because if we're grading on a curve, they get an A. If we're grading on a curve, they get an A. Um, if we're grading them based off of their performance, they get like a C. And the reason they get like a C is because there still is, is not enough depth for me to feel good about this team and having enough weapons around Tommy DeVito. Um, there's four guys right now that they trust on the field at wide receiver. Four. And – I, I, I'm, I'm phrasing it that way because there's four guys on the field that they trust to be out there on the field, not to make plays all the time, but to be out there on the field. So um, they don't trust Hank Beatty out there to, all the time. They, they don't trust Casey Washington to be out there all the time. Um, you, can, you can judge that by the snap counts. Um, and they played 80 some odd snaps and I'll be damned if Isaiah Williams coming off of a concussion, didn't play 78 of them against Minnesota and Pat Bryant played over 70. And, and I think it was Brian Hightower got, o- got over 65 of them. I mean, uh, they're, they're doing a good job with those three. And I think developing those three, but there's not a depth of talent behind those guys. And I think that if there were an injury or two that happens with those guys, the, the, the scary thing was that Isaiah Williams's concussion had bled over into several weeks. Um, they don't have a, they don't have another home run hitter in the slot right now that they, that they feel really, really good about. Um, and so they, they know that recruiting has to take a huge, huge uptick, you know, at that position group. Um, but the development, if we're great, again, what I'm saying is if we're grading on a curve, I thought that they had the worst wide receiver talent in the Big Ten by far. I don't think they do. So if we're grading on a curve, it's probably somewhere around a B plus, um, just because based off of the initial idea of what you thought you had in that group. Um, there, there have been developments going on with Pat Bryant. And I think with Brian Hightower coming off the injury, it's about time for Brian Hightower to show why he was a four-star, close to five-star kid coming out of IMG. Um, and then Isaiah Williams is special. Flat out, he's just flat out special of an, a special athlete. Beyond that, I don't see another receiver in which Tommy DeVito, you know, ultimately trusts on a, on a, on a down-to-down basis that can help this passing attack right now. So um, I think they need to build more depth at that, but I also think that the development of, of specifically of Patrick Bryant allows me to think that this, this wide receiver core has a lot of, has a special, uh, has something special going on that I, I didn't see coming on in, in preseason camp. Ked, where are you at with this group? Cause I know we were all pretty, pretty aggressive at, um, our concerns. I'm, I'm kind of torn between a B plus and the A minus. 
Um, here's why I'm. Here's why I, I, I if I had to give an A minus, Hightower and Bryant are special receivers to me. They came out of nowhere. They have they're better receivers, and I think than what I saw in Wisconsin. Certainly, what I saw in Minnesota. And I mean, I I just think they're really good, and they're surprising people. If I were gonna give them a B plus, and gosh, this is I don't fans. This is not a criticism, so don't put words in my mouth. I'm just not as sold on Isaiah Williams as other people are. I mean, I've seen Brian. That's a Hightower. change. I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. I've seen Hightower make and Brian make some special catches. I've not seen now. I, I, Isaiah was great last week, and this has nothing to do with how his performance was against Iowa. I just now I'm not impressed with him as a receiver. I know he's not that guy. They're gonna throw the ball thirty, you know, yards on the field like they do Hightower and Bryant. But I thought that he was gonna be that guy. But he's also he's not six two or six three either. You know, I they I think as quick and as good as an athlete as he is, I'd like to see him in the end zone more. I'd like to see him if he's not gonna get in the end zone. I'd like to see 30, 40 yard, you know, uh, catches. I don't see that with him, and I think part of it. And I'm a huge Barry Lonnie Jr. fan. I don't think they use them right. Those little screen passes is not going to work because they do it every game, and they and nine times out of ten they go to him, and he's not going to do anything with it. I just think that group for me, I'm torn about say between a B plus and a minus because if Isaiah would have had the year that I thought he was going to be, because let's face it, I mean if we're going to be honest and grade the the receivers, he wouldn't be. I don't think me personally. I don't think the you know, and I want to hear what you guys have to say. I don't think you say he's the best out of those three guys because and I know going into the season, we were all saying, well, who's, who's going to throw the ball to? And now, you know, DeVito has some really good options and they're, and they're big targets. Yeah. Um, you know, I look at, at um, you know, Isaiah, um, you know, being probably still the leader of the crew, the one that, that probably draws the most uh, attention, but, as the year goes on, that may, that may evolve. I, I got to be honest with you. I'd probably give this group a solid B. I didn't think they were capable of anything better than a C though. So Matt's curve is probably, um, you know, a good way to look at it. Yeah. If we're great on a curve, that's about where I had it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause this is a team that I just didn't think had the, or this, this position group just didn't have, um, you know, didn't have the talent. And yet we see, um, the high tower and Bryant, you know, elevating their game. So, um, you know, maybe we, maybe they just hadn't had an opportunity to, sh to show it yet. So let's go on to one of them that I think for me has been a bit of a disappointment. Okay. The tight ends. What do you think of the tight ends here, Matt? C plus B minus. And okay. I, I think they're getting so much out of Tip Ryman that gets underappreciated, especially in the run game, and especially. So, so what? What gets? Let's be specific for the fans. Okay. Maybe um, don't the idea, the them. idea that somebody can be on the field for all three downs and be somebody that was not recruited worth a darn and is a former walk-on, um, okay. and somebody who, if he continues this for another year or two, however long he wants to stay at Illinois. Um, the three-letter league will be interested in just simply because of the way he physically looks and the way he physically – what he's physically putting on tape in both the pass and the run game. Um, what they're able to do – what they were able to do 
um, in short yardage with Michael Marques, I think is, is very, very helpful. Um, they are not getting, well, I'm not saying they, I won't say they, um, Luke Ford is not getting what he wanted out of this last year. I don't think from the past game, I don't think he's putting on tape in the past game, but when you look at him from a physical, from a physicality standpoint in the run game and what they're getting out of him, when they go to 22 sets and when they go to 12 sets, which is by the way, one running back, one tight end, two wide receivers, um, they're getting some physicality and, and they're getting some what they're able to do in their outside zone right now has a lot to do with what the tight ends be able to provide for them right now in, in the run game. Um, and when they switched to the outside zone, I knew that the tight end was going to be a huge, huge piece as to if this running game was going to work or not. And I think that those three guys have allowed them have have, have carved out a role for themselves. But I don't think he, any of those three are stars. But I think what you're what they've gotten out of Michael Marques is phenomenal to me because that's a converted tight end that, you know, um, the fact that they haven't had to play Henry Boyer as much as I thought they were going to have to play Henry Boyer, which is almost to say not at all, um, is, is a testament to what I think Brett Bielema feels like he's getting out of that position, which is why I ultimately lean toward maybe a B minus C, you know, more than maybe a C plus. And then you add on to the idea that, I'm sorry, but this group hasn't had a position coach all year because of what's going on with Ben Miller. And these guys are being led by a graduate assistant and, and, and a whole bunch of basically the entire staff has had to help out with that tight end position. And quite frankly, Luke Ford and, and um, you know, and, and Tip Ryman have had to almost coach the younger guys themselves um, all year long. So again, I feel like I'm kind of grading them on a curve. So I'll give them a B minus, you know, and because and, I think that they're going to be needed later on in the year. But I've been pleasantly surprised with what they've been able to get out of guys that I didn't think were going to be able to get to another level in terms of production. And that specifically is Tip Ryman and Michael Marques. And I, 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 I feel like that gets them to the B minus level that, that this position group has needed to be at in order to get to six and one. Okay. Ked, where are you at on this uh, tight end group? I'm going with the C. And here's why I'm going with the C. You know, you and I were sitting in the press box last week. And Mike, you got to be honest, and you, you got to admit this with me. You and I both saw those tight ends open for days and every possession, and they didn't even they didn't even look to them. I don't know if they don't trust them. I couldn't tell you. And the, for the people who are listening at this, if you ever if you've been to any football game, whether it's high school, or college, and the higher you sit, the better you can see plays develop. On TV, it doesn't know justice. I can't tell you how many times Luke Ford was open. I mean, they didn't even look. I don't know if they don't have the confidence in them. I think it's a weapon. Obviously, you can see against because I would utilize it. I mean, Luke Ford looks the part, and they don't even look their way. I just, for me personally, I'm not being critical of, of, the, of the players because I'm not there at practice every day. There's a reason that they're not being thrown to them. Yes, there's more to the tight end position than just throwing the ball because the, the running game. I get all that. But for right now, for me, I'm just not sold on them being in that position to where I got to give them a, a or B because they don't utilize. I mean, let's be honest, they don't. Yeah, and and I'll be honest. The the main reason that I was disappointed is one, um, you know, and it's not fair. Luke Ford has expectations that are ten miles high. Not his fault. 
you know, those weren't put on him by himself. I will say that I've been pleasantly surprised, you know, with what he does in social media and the way he portrays himself, you know, as a team player and not complaining and not whining, which many, you know, guys of his position in the past would be like, uh, you know, everybody's, you know, I'm the victim here and he's not doing that, which is great. Um, but he was open. I, you know, you and I found like three plays. You know, he was wide open and, and uh, uh, TD didn't get him the ball. Now there's always, you know, a, a quarterback's under duress out there. So it was just strange to see him that wide open. Uh, Tip is a good player. I don't know if he's got the foot speed to be successful at the next level. Um, and Marques is the one who really intrigues me because he's got a speed burst that you just don't really expect out of a guy who really wasn't tied in before, uh, you know, so, you know, when they hit him, he, you know, his touchdowns have been some quick hitters that my goodness, he gets down the field quickly. So, you know, there's some guys who don't time well with a 40, but, but seem to be faster on a football field. And I would put him in that category. Um, so that's something to think about. Um, the next group that we're going to talk about here, um, and this time just for a little bit of, uh, uh, change up, um, I'm going to have Ked lead this off, but first I want to remind you guys of, you know, if you have opportunity, go to IlliniGuys.com. That's who powers this eye on the Illini, uh, podcast. IlliniGuys.com has all the best information. And you can do a free trial. It's uh, $99 a year. You get seven days free. Go ahead and you get billed on the seventh day. Kick the tires. See what you think of it and go from there. Um, it's a heck of a deal. And the thing that makes it really cool is if you go back into the message boards or the forums, you can actually interact with Ked and Matt, Brad Sturdy, Larry Smith, myself and you can kind of talk back and forth with us along with a ton of Illini fans who are very opinionated so the opinions out there get get pretty heated at times but it's really great when you can read an article and say hey Ked what did you mean by to better understand what's going on so uh, that makes this place a very unique website it's more interactive it, you're really a part of it so wanted to put out that little, um, you know, plug for IlliniGuys.com. So, Ked, when we talk about uh, the next area, of course, we are looking at the, um, the quarterback position. And, and you've got Tommy DeVito, who I think um, a lot of us just didn't know how good he would be. Um, and I have been pleasantly surprised by what he's been able to to accomplish out there what are your thoughts on his grade I now, this kid I have to give an A and I'm not surprised because when he committed to Illinois I'm telling you I'm one of those guys I just analyze I mean which is my job I don't just look at you know hey he threw 300 yards this kid could throw it at Syracuse he threw it for over 3,000 yards that's not a mistake I knew he had a strong arm a lot of people were surprised by that I'm not. I, I knew that. I, I was concerned about, you know, him having guys to throw the football to. But I think his best game, when well, he just looks good, I mean, if you don't just look at numbers, 
I think the Minnesota game. I know in the I know in the you know in, in the the red zone that they didn't score a lot of points, but the 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 deep ball. I mean, how accurate he was, and guys didn't have to fall over, and you know he was just really accurate. And I think you know if Minnesota's defense wasn't so good, he could have probably thrown for close to over three four hundred yards. I'm just really impressed with him, and he's he's mobile. And he must be extremely intelligent because he picked up the offense really fast. It didn't take him long, you know, to figure it out. Uh, he knows when to run. He knows when to, you know, to throw the ball. And there was a stretch in the, just the, in the Minnesota game. He was eight for eight. And when he threw the ball, the ball, I think the one that he missed, I, th- I think Hightower was running out of bounds, I think. I, it was either him or Pat Bryant, I can't remember, that – had a chance to get it and still dropped it. I mean, and if anybody had a chance to watch uh, the Big Ten Network, um, Brett Bielema talked about how good he is, and he thinks he's one of the top three or four quarterbacks in the Big Ten um, because he he talked to Tommy about that. Because when they talked about quarterbacks, his name wasn't mentioned. But this was a week ago. Now, this week, he's been on Big Ten Network because I think now – people are starting to see that this thing is rolling because Illinois finally has a quarterback, somebody who can make plays. And the, probably the most impressive thing, Mike, I think he only has two interceptions this entire year, if my memory serves me correctly. I mean, that's pretty good considering he has played some of the best defenses in all of college football, not just the Big Ten. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how the Illini do, you know, the, the last – couple weeks in particular playing some pretty solid or last three weeks playing playing some very solid defenses and now as a quarterback Tommy gets to go up against some teams that I'm not saying they're not good because you know these are Big Ten players but certainly um, it's not you know you're not going to go up against a Wisconsin a Minnesota or Iowa and, and and personally I think Iowa was the best defense I've seen this season you know live um, they looked really good, um, and Minnesota looked good, but found out that uh, you don't get to make you don't get many do overs because Illinois' defense stops your offense most of the time. Um, Matt, well, how do you well, go ahead? I'm sorry. Hey, you know what? I, I want to make another comment. I guess I want to hear your thoughts on this. What do you think about? I mean, like I know Matt talked earlier. I forget what position we were talking about. Oh, there was the wide receivers, the backup, you know, situation. If we're going to give the whole grade to the whole quarterback room, I guess that will, you know, I will say this: they have the the Illinois has the best on paper backup quarterback probably than a lot of teams in the Big Ten, but I don't know if that one performance is fair to judge him on that. I, I I have mixed feelings on that one. Yeah, I look. I think when you go to a backup quarterback, I, I don't care what anybody says. There's generally. 99% of the time, there's a reason why the guy's the backup quarterback because he's not as good as the starter. Um, but at the same time, Sikowski didn't have spring ball at all. He had, to, he had to go into practice in August, and the team is trying to gel under Tommy. So he's probably going to get at max 20% of the reps, if that much. Um, and, and so that's asking a lot of a guy coming off of surgery you know, to, to go out and have a great game. Um, I'm hoping over the course of the season, you know, he can, he can hone those skills a little bit. I don't know if it's fair to look at it. And of course, I'm not going to judge Chase Brown for going 0 for 1 uh, 
uh, from the tailback position on his passing either. Well, I'll still agree with you on the A overall because Tommy's been been um, a real breath of fresh air. His accuracy seems to have gotten a little better as the season went on. And I love the fact that he doesn't turn over the ball that often. Matt, where are you at on grading the quarterbacks? Hey, uh, for no other reason than what Tommy's been able to do since he's got on campus, the fact that he's been playing the last month of, of this past this season on a bum ankle. Um, this didn't just start on the Iowa game, folks. Like he's been playing on a bum ankle since the Chattanooga game. Um, he's he's shown toughness there, and, and and so you've gotten everything you've wanted out of Tommy DeVito. You know, when you when you brought him here out of the portal and knew you had one year with and I give Barry Lunny and I give Tommy DeVito all the credit in the world for making the most of that because it was a shotgun marriage between the two because Tommy didn't come here to run this system um, and he's made it work. And, and honestly, Barry's made it work with what Tommy's skill set has has been used as has presented itself to be as well. Um uh, if we're going down the list of you take the whole position group, like Kat has suggested, there are 65 Power Five conference teams. Um, I, I'm willing to suggest to you that between 40 and 45 of them would kill their own mother to have an Art Sitkowski as their backup quarterback. Um, this idea that that Art is not very good or is not sufficient enough to be the backup quarterback or can't make plays or can't throw the ball down the field, um, I don't know where that I don't know where that comes from. I have no earthly idea where that comes from. Uh, there were two big plays that were made in, in the Iowa game that needed to be made. And once Barry Lunny figured out, okay, this is what I think I can do with Art in that Chinese fire drill type of situation where they hadn't really repped anything, they hadn't really practiced anything. You get a one-on-one -on -one with Brian Hightower, you get a one-on-one -on -one with Jonah Morris, and you throw the ball up, and Art can do that. And he can. And and I, I truly believe that if Tommy DeVito hadn't been able to go against Minnesota, Barry Lunny would have put a plan together that would have made that a very, very competitive football game, if not an Illinois win. Um, so there's a lot to be said for having somebody like Art Sikowski, who's had three-plus years as a starting quarterback as in a Power Five conference. Um and I think that there's there's a lot to be said for having that guy, kind of a guy, be your backup quarterback. And then I think there's a lot to be excited about with with Donovan Leary and Kirkland McHugh, um, which who nobody will get to see right now. But um, they're doing some pretty special things on the look team right now as, as true freshmen. So um, overall position group is an A. So let's go to the probably the group that's one of the more interesting groups, the running backs. Um, Matt, where do you, where do you put this running back group? A, because I think there's a potential for Chase Brown to be in New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. I don't, I don't want to go there yet. I, because I think there are some people look like I, I've, I, for multiple years, I had a Heisman ballot. Okay. You only get to vote for three players. And right now it would be really hard. You're right now you're trying to get a whole bunch of people right now to put Chase Brown in that third spot if you're a Heisman voter. Um, and so because right now those those other two spots are are taken by by, by other people, and and one of them is Hendon Hooker, um, and another one is Bryce Young. Quite frankly, if you go back and you watch that game, Alabama's not anywhere near that game if Bryce Young's not at his at his peak, um, and so. Those are the two guys right now I think you're looking at. 
um, and then you're trying to get a whole bunch of people to vote Chase Brown number three. Um, the problem with Chase and the Heisman is that he does, he's not getting in the end zone nearly enough that he probably needs to 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 uh, um, get a whole bunch of attention in that regard. Blake Corum over at Michigan's getting in the end zone a whole bunch, and I think that that could be an interesting matchup come November when when Illinois goes to Ann Arbor. Um, but uh, no, I think. And, and and look, I'd love to talk about depth, but I think Illinois has realized that um, they have a very, very unique physical freak of an athlete in Chase Brown who's not asking out for a lot of plays and he's not coming off the field. And I think what they're doing with Chase Brown is should be cause for concern because I don't know if he can get through four months and, and 13 games doing this. But if he can, um, and I have no doubt that what Chase does with his – Chase and Sydney both, quite frankly, what Chase does with his body, he's giving himself the best shot. And so um, I think that there's a lot of talent there with Reggie Love, and I think there's the, – the Brad Bielema trusts Chase Hayden about as much as anybody in the world. And I think that there's a lot to be said for the freshman class that's doing a lot of things, again, on the look team, like Aiden Lafrey and Jordan Anderson. That there's a lot to be excited about. But Chase Brown just has is dragged this entire position group to an A grade for me. Perfect, Ked. Well, it's the running back, but it's the Chase Brown run. It's the Chase Brown shot. That kid's an A plus to me. That's the one. That's the one guy I gotta throw an A plus out because that guy is taking hits after hit after hit. Um, I remember the Wisconsin game. I got frustrated watching it, and I thought to myself. They're not getting anywhere with this. And, and all those hits, you know, Brett talked about, Coach Bielema talked about how that wears on a running back after a while. And they just kept going. And eventually, he broke through on a couple of those. He's just a talented, talented kid. And if he played for a different program of LSU, Tennessee, Michigan, Ohio State, we wouldn't be having this conversation hoping that he's in the, in the, Heisman, in the Heisman race. It would already happen. Illinois has been a program where they struggled for years and now they're on the map they're, and they're getting a lot of attention. And when programs get attention that, you know, it's easy to try to look and say, okay, that's why, you know, or excuse me, why are they having attention or why are they better? You look at the coaches and then now you, you got to look at the special players. And, you know, we talked about Tommy DeVito and obviously Chase, and there's a reason for it. I hope, Matt's 100% right. When I talk to other reporters, that's the same knock on him. He doesn't get in the end zone enough. He, he doesn't. And I know there's been times where he's tried to. I know they tried it. I don't think it's a lack of talent or, or lack of strength. I just don't know what the issue is with it. And I can assure you, teams with bad defenses, that's probably going to change in the next few weeks. Yeah, that, that's going to be very interesting to see. I got to give him an A-plus as well. Um, Matt, offensive line. For me, it's a B plus. And again, I'm grading on a curve because I didn't know what we were going to get out of Alex Pilstrom at center. And by God, that kid is doing everything you could ask for at, at that center position. And I didn't know what physically we were going to be able to get for four months and 13 games out of Alex Belcheski. But by God, he's physically healthy. And, and you weren't sure what you were going to get from guard to guard. You just weren't. Yep. Because of all the new pieces that were going to be put there, um, 
And what ended up happening was, is that they were able to plug and play a junior college kid named Isaiah Adams, who might be a one and done. And these co this coaching staff thinks legitimately he might be a one and done um, here at Illinois. And, and that's, that's saying something. I think he's been a, an extraordinary um, piece to be put together. And then I think the, the, the combination um, now it's four fifths and then of, uh, uh, of Zy Chrysler and then one fifth of Jordan Slaughter. I mean, they have six guys right now that they feel like they can put in a football game and, and feel really, really confident in their ability to, to, to do things. They have not had any injuries at the tackle spots, um, you know, knock on wood. Yeah. And, and when they have had injuries, they've the one game that I think it was the Indiana game where Julian Pearl just could not go. They've decided to just, you know, put Isaiah Adams over there at left tackle and it's, it's worked out. Okay. It's another reason why I don't think they won the game in Bloomington because, they couldn't get in the end zone inside the five yard line because the offensive line wasn't working out. And, you know, there's two reasons why they won the game in Bloomington. It doesn't have anything to do with stripe people in stripe shirts. Um, and that was one of them. And I don't, I don't that's think the offensive true, line. That's not true, man. Come on, Matt. Come on. I'm sorry to cut you off. You know, they had a little bit to do with, okay, now let me ask you this question. And I'm sorry to cut you off. I want a yes or no answer. Not a, not a statement. Was that a touchdown that Illinois had that they took away? Yes or no? Uh, it was. It should have been real a touchdown. Yes, but it wasn't. Okay, but I just want to make sure it was, and and that does affect the score. And I'm really sorry, but that does matter. I'm really sorry, man. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, it would be nice if they hadn't turned over the ball four times too. Yeah, they turned. They yes. turned. They turned the ball over four times. They didn't get in. They didn't get. It, they they didn't. They get stuffed on four times inside the four, four yard line, and they they Indiana had the ball on the on the twenty yard line. Had to go eighty yards to score on the defense. So that didn't have. That doesn't have anything to do with striped shirts. Not I a think, darn. I thing. think that's why, in my opinion, and then we'll get back to the grade right. the, the things. But in my opinion, I think that's why Coach B had some effective messaging that mm -hmm. he can pound into people's head like using a nail with a hammer you know that, mm -hmm. that's just me though so they where would play, you honest to god they didn't play they didn't play their best and they know they didn't i um, mean and, and, and against a team that's probably going to go three and nine and so um the offensive line being kind of in flux in bloomington was a major reason why they took an l there um and so that's why i kind of give them a b but they've had a really really the, the one reason i give them a b is because there has been an objective um, the entire season after Tommy DeVito took an absolute pun, like absolute beating and probably left some of his body at the carrier dome in, in, in Syracuse. They have made it a point of emphasis that they are going to keep Tommy upright the best they possibly can. And I think that that group of six guys that have been put in a football game have done their darndest to do that. And so that's why they get a B from me. And I, I think that also I give – Bart, uh, Bart Miller and Brett Bielema and Barry Lunny a lot of credit in looking at this offensive line and saying, hey, the way we ran the football last year, that's not going to work this year with this, with this personnel that we've got up front. We've got to do more zone stuff. We can't do as much power. We can't get you know guys on the outside and get them in the crease. And we can't have Alex Palczewski basically going you know into the perimeter and creating that, that, that crease for the power that you saw with Chase Brown and Josh McCray last year. Uh, they made an adjustment in preseason camp and said, this is the way we're going to have to be able to run the football. And by God, 
Illinois has run the football with this zone scheme a lot better than I thought that they would. And, and I, the offensive line deserves a lot of credit for that. Ted, where do you have the O line? Ted's going to give him an A, but I'm going to be Tommy DeVito and I'm going to give him an A plus with a thousand points because of what Matt just said. Here's why. I mean, you have to be happy with that. I think the reason why, I mean, like if we talk about the running game, I don't think it's, they, they're not doing what they did last year because they have a, they actually have a passing game. They have a guy who can make passes and be effective. I give him an A because of what we what Matt just mentioned. The guy's not running for his life, you know, and he has time to throw. That offensive line has produced the nation's best leading rusher in college football. I have to give him an A. I mean, there's no way. I mean, granted, it's not the deepest position on the field, on, on, the, on, on the team, but they've done their job. They've, you know, he, I don't know how many times he's been sacked. I, I know the first couple of games, I don't think he was sacked once at all. So they're doing their job. They're opening up holes. And he has time to throw the ball and to make throws. I just, I'm really impressed with the offensive line. But let's face it, we know what Bielema does, and that's his bread and butter. So none of us should be surprised with that. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to give him a B only because I think what they're doing, um, and I'm, I'm putting this out in the film review later on this week. Um, what they're not being able to do in the red zone has a lot to do with what they're what they're kind of lacking up front, and uh, it's it's becoming kind of a problem. Rent's going to come due at some point during the game, and I think it's going to get a little bit shaky um, if they don't iron this out. But the fact that they haven't been able, the fact that only six teams in FBS have a less have a have a lower percentage of scoring touchdowns in the red zone that. That falls on the offensive line. It just does. Um, and and that's that's the only reason I'm kind of giving them a B is because if they were strong in the offensive line and they were blowing people off the ball, they would be getting touchdowns instead of field goals in the red zone. But other than that, I think Tommy DeVito's been as healthy as he possibly can be his entire career. And without having a Doug Kramer be able to lead that running game and an Alex Palczewski be able to get in the, you know, get in the alley, and be essentially a 300-pound lead blocker for people. Um, they figured out a way to average five, six yards of carry, um, no matter who's back there. But normally it's Chase Brown, so I give him a lot of credit. Yeah, I would. I would probably go somewhere in the B category just because of those, the red zone. I think the several of the guys covering Minnesota really started, you know, hammering that Illinois uh, ineffectiveness in the red zone, and. You know, realistically, if you get Illinois about another 27 yards of offense against Minnesota, that score goes from 26 to 14 to 42 to 14. So it it can make a huge difference, you know, kicking field goals that close. Um, it doesn't make a difference because Illinois' defense is so good. But when you start playing the Michigans of the world, then all of a sudden you need those sevens instead of the threes. So let's flip to the other side of the uh, line. Let's talk, or let's talk about the defensive backs. So let's go safeties first. Um, how do you how do you view the safeties, Matt? Hey, um, and, and the reason is is because I think they've they've gotten everything. This idea that 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 Kendall Smith has just gotten lucky with his interceptions. He's in the right place because he's reading quarterbacks the way that Ryan Walters is teaching that position group to read quarterbacks. And Sidney Brown has essentially taken the job of being the extra linebacker in the run game to another level. 
And also, I think he's done a really, really good job of, of being, you know, a guy that can, you know, basically kind of do a dual threat. I, I, Ryan Walters thinks Sidney Brown is playing about as good a football as he has his entire career. So you take all that and you put that together and then you take whatever Matthew, Matthew Bailey is giving you right now. And right now, and people are, are making a big deal about it because it's a true freshman that I didn't even know was going to play coming out of preseason camp. But he's only given you about 10 snaps a game, give or take. And But in those 10 snaps, he's been really, really good. Um, and so from a depth perspective, I think you're going to see guys like Keontae Curry later on in life that are going to be really, really good. Um, you're going to see guys like Solo Turner be really, really good in future years when when these two guys are gone. But what they've gotten out of Kendall Smith in this fifth year, sixth year, I think, that he's that he's been on campus, that he's come back for, and what they've gotten to get Sidney Brown to another level um, at, at the safety position, I'd give him an A. Kid? I'm just impressed with what they've done. And, like, you know, Matt talked about the interceptions, and they think they can cover. I mean, not that they think. They're doing it. I mean, it's I'm in – I don't – I feel – I'm embarrassed to say this. When I watch a football game as a fan, I'm 90% of the time I'm really interested into the offense, but not with this group. I enjoy watching these guys cover and the way they, you know, the way they see the ball. Last week, I don't know how many text messages I got from coaches telling me they don't know how Illinois was able to teach the coverage that these kids are doing right now in such a short time. They're really impressive. I mean, the way they can take fight on the ball and they're tackling. I mean, it's I what I'm really curious to see right now. I mean, I, I don't I don't I don't remember which one of you guys mentioned the Michigan game. I'm really curious to see how they play and how well they do against a team like Michigan. I'm just impressed with that whole unit, to be honest with you. Yep. Yep. Um, cornerbacks, Matt, this is this is an area. Again, the defensive backfield has been strong. Hey. Because I think Devin Witherspoon's a, a potential second or third round draft pick. I think Quan Martin is a potential mid round draft pick. And I think what you're getting out of Taz Nicholson has been really, really impressive. And even when he's had to go down, you've gotten really, really good play out of Terrell Jennings in, in his last year here at Illinois as a, as a FCS division two transfer. Um, you've gotten a lot of depth in that regard as well. And so you've got, your nickel guy has, has, has taken over for what everybody thought they were going to lose with Kirby Joseph. And that's yeah. been Colin Martin. I think he's been really, really good. Um, I think Devin Witherspoon has, has, has been essentially Devin Witherspoon would have better numbers if people would throw him the ball, throw the ball his way. And they just don't. And what they've tried to do is they've tried to pick on Taz Nicholson. And then they figured out that that's not going to work either um, as much. And then Taz Nicholson gets a concussion and you think you're, he's going to be out for a while. And Terrell Jennings comes in as a 24 year old, really um, solid veteran that understands how to play. And it, I think Aaron Henry has a lot of guys again in the pipeline that he feels really, really good about, but I think he's doing an excellent job of coaching these guys to play physical and not draw flags. But I also think there's, there's a, uh, <laughs> Ked talked about, you know, coaches that are texting him about how they're able to cover. I've talked to Ryan Walters and I've talked to Aaron Henry. It's not complicated what they're doing. It's called playing man. And <laughs> it's called, you have a responsibility, <laughs> go do your job. 
like, and, and do not get physically knocked off your spot and off your leverage. That's how they get taught. That's how they get played. It's not complicated. I've talked to Ryan Walters repeatedly about this. There's a reason why Brett Bielema talks about the, well, Ryan doesn't even have a play sheet in front of him. And I talked to Ryan Walters on the sideline of a high school game earlier this year about that. He goes, well, the play sheet's in my back pocket, but it's a note card. We don't have a whole lot of calls. It's not complicated what we're doing here. I just, I give our guys a specific job and then they do it. And what the specific job for the corners has been this year is do not physically get knocked off your leverage point. And they're just not, they're playing about as physical as you can without getting a flag drawn. And I think it's, I think it's really starting to get noticed by everybody that's trying to throw the football against Illinois. Yep. Ked, where are you at on the, this, the cornerbacks? Okay. Well, let me make the grade first. That's an A plus group. To me, it's the most physical group on the entire roster. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not the smallest man in the world. But if I saw those dudes running at me, I'm going to throw the ball out of bounds and I'm going to run from them. Because I'm <laughs> going to tell you, they lay the wood. I, I think if you go back to the Wisconsin game, they hit so hard. There was one time I knew it was a clean play. I think the official felt bad for the Wisconsin offensive play and just threw the flag. They laid the wood to people. I don't, and I'm telling you, Jay Lehman talked about this today. He said that is the best position that Illinois has had in the history of Illinois football. They're good and they're fun to watch. They're, they're like, you know, Matt just mentioned, you know, they're taught well as, you know, they understand the position. I mean, I just, Weatherspoon to me, and I'm just, I look at him and I'm thinking, I'd like to see where he's going to be in the draft. That's the most athletic physical group on the entire roster. And I'm talking running backs, linemen, receivers, you name it. This group is dangerous. Yeah, they're they're a they're a good group. I don't know, I'll be honest with you, and I'm not trying to say that maybe they are the greatest position group of all time at Illinois. That's just really, really hard for me to go back and try to remember where where everybody is to say that. But um Eugene Wilson and Christian Morton were really, really good, but these guys are getting there. They're not there yet, but they're getting there. Yeah, it's just there's just a lot of really good players yeah. over the years. So, um, but hey, you know the fact that a guy who's got that experience um, does, you know, says that is what is good. Mm-hmm. Now, I just just do have some breaking news here that four-star wide receiver Malik Elzey has decided to reopen his recruitment. The Chicago oh. City standout is now. Yeah, I wonder where he's going to go. The top yeah. committed wide receiver in the entire 2023 class. We'll give Clint Cosgrove of Rivals the credit on that. But um, uh, so things that make you say, hmm. I know what I'll be doing tonight when we get done. <laughs> So anyway, uh, that is um, that that's big news. So um, as we as we go back now, let's talk about the linebacker position, because the funny thing is, is that the linebackers have not played poorly. They've not played badly at all, but the defensive line and the defensive backs have been so good that it's kind of overshadowed them a little. I don't know, Matt, what do you think? Well, which group are we talking about? Are we talking about the inside guys or the outside guys? Well, let's let's do real quick on both since we got people. Okay, sorry. Um, yeah, they just they're just two totally different yeah. things, especially with this scheme. 
Um, yep. If we're talking about the edge guys, um, Seth Coleman's taken his game to a completely different level. And I, I do think after this bye week, teams are going to stop single single blocking gay backers. They just they have they can't, to. They can't. It's going to be it's going to be part of my film review. Minnesota decided the entire game we're going to block seventeen with our outside tackle, and it did not work. Flat out, just did not work. Um, and I do think, unfortunately, because I think he was playing well, I think Ezekiel Holmes is getting Wally pipped here because unfortunately he got hurt. And he has opened the door for a freshman that I think reminds me so much of Simeon Rice, especially with that dip move that he does on an offensive tackle and can get to the quarterback. That's exactly what Simeon Rice did on his way to being a freshman All-American. And I think Gabe Ackes is on that path to being a freshman All-American. Um, and uh, so from the outside guys, I think Kevin Kane's group gets an A. Okay. Uh, the inside guys get an A+. Plus. And, they, they, and it's because Andy Boo has developed four guys, town them, four guys that can play middle linebacker right now in the big 10. And that's Tyreek Barnes, who I think there are NFL people right now that are saying, if he wants to come out next year, we will definitely think about drafting him. Um, he has done everything he can to elevate his game to another level to the three letter league is starting to impress. Calvin Hart jr. Has done a phenomenal job of not only playing middle linebacker at a solid place, like he was at North Carolina state under Dave Dorian, but he's also taken like 20 snaps a game and played over at outside backer because Gabe Ackes and Seth Coleman need a blow. Okay. And then there are two other guys, Isaac Darkangelo, who is a, still a walk on, who is performing unbelievably well in Andy Bruce position group. And they think Keanu Dulia is going to be a really, really good player. And the 15 snaps a game that he's getting, he's doing, he's getting a huge amount of production. Um, and he's around the football in every one of those snaps that he gets. So, they have a quadrant of four guys that they can play right now in the Big Ten, and I think a lot of Big Ten programs would kill for any of those four guys. So that group gets an A plus for me. Ked, where are you at on these two groups? I'm gonna steal. I'm gonna steal some thunder from both of you. I think it's been a quiet group, you know, overall, you know, because of the safeties and the defensive backs. But I mean, then I'm gonna steal some from Matt. I mean, Gabe Ackes is just at a different level for a true freshman. I, I couldn't wait for somebody to finally say what I've been thinking, Simeon Rice Jr., because that's what he reminds me of. Um, I think, Matt, I don't know if you posted it or not, but I, I remember hearing his comments in the post-game press conference about, you know, getting through number 77 is what he said from Minnesota, and he was studying the, the film to make sure, because he knew what his assignment was, and he knew what Illinois needed that sack, what he had to do to get it done. That's, that's impressive. And I think, I'm not for sure, Matt, maybe you can help me with this, but I think Illinois beat out Tennessee and another good Power 5 school for him. So, I mean, it's a good recruit. And for him to be a freshman, a true freshman, to do what he's doing is truly amazing to me. And I can't, you can, if he stays healthy, we know that this, this kid has definitely potential to be a top first three-month pick at some point in his career. They yeah. Absolutely, yeah, they absolutely on signing day beat Tennessee on Gabe Bacchus, and that's what it looks like when you beat SEC schools on a defensive player, period. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest with you, I am a little different than you guys on Gabe. I, he reminds me a little more of Whitney Merciless than uh, Simeon Rice, which, which oh, like hey, look, those are, two, those are two studs, okay? So, so you both know, All-Americans. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, so, draft pick. I, I just I watch Gabe, and for some reason, I see when I wa watch his body 
the way he moves, he just seems like Whitney Merciless. But again, Simeon Rice was Superman as well. So if, if, if you know, if that's who we're trying to decide on, that's a bright future. Um, uh, so we'll give him A's. Now, now here's an interesting thing that I'd like to talk about. We're going to talk about defensive tackles, you know, interior defensive line. But that made me think about Jamari and Harkless, the guy who committed, decommitted from Illinois, and now he's committed to Auburn. Um, is Illinois reaching out to him to say, hey, um, number one in points scored and yards allowed and we got all these guys who are going to go to the NFL and you might have some playing time and you might want to go to the NFL or is that a waste of time, Matt? Nope. And I don't know why, but Nope. And, and I, I, I truly think that Harkless is going to have a decision on his hands when the Auburn situation shakes out when it does and it's probably not going to shake out this week so he has committed himself to a program where he doesn't know who the head coach is going to be but it could end up being a great situation for him based off of how that shakes out with Auburn uh but to answer your question no um and they probably should and if they and if he decommits from Auburn Let's just be honest about it. He's the going to end up. is going to be open. Well, he's going to end up at Louisville or Kentucky. Let's just be real about it, okay? Because um, they're the ones that really have not stopped recruiting him from day one. To the interior defensive line, um, we're going to grade on a curve again because I never thought we would get to this point with Calvin Avery. I never oh, I ever did. I never ever did, and we're going to grade on a curve because. I ne- because my expectation of him was so low, he has outshined it and he has outperformed it. And therefore, I am going to give this group a B plus because I think that T. Rod Edwards coming off the injury that he had in preseason camp has given them about 20 snaps of, of, of pretty good production as a redshirt freshman coming from Northwestern and a completely different system that he was playing in at, at Northwestern. And then God forbid they have any injuries or they need to pull somebody off the, off, off the, off the field like they do. You know, RJ Wilkins is a guy that plays like two or three, four, five snaps at most a game and was doing really, really good things at Vanderbilt. And they think right on in the future can be really, really good. So as an overall whole of a group, I give them, I give them a B, maybe even a B plus based off of the expectations I had for this group. But I think all, all of it has to do with the fact that Calvin Avery is doing everything he possibly can as a nose tackle to present himself as a potential, um, you know, big time player in this league and allowing the two guys on his left and on his right to get all the headlines on that defensive line that I'm sure we're going to get to. But Calvin Avery has, has, has surpassed any expectation I had for him after watching him for three, four years at, at Illinois. Yeah, Calvin Avery would be my comeback player of the year. So mm-hmm. speak. Uh, Ked? You know, I I don't know. I guess when I look at it, I mean, we're doing the defensive line, correct? We're doing the, the interior defensive line, yeah. So line. defensive tackle. You know, yeah, yeah. You know the way I, it, I guess coming through the season. I mean, you know, when we talked about receivers, you know, that was another thing. I mean, I remember Matt and I having these conversations and stuff with you too, Mike. But just that was an area of concern. But when I look at this group right here, I look at the the, the pressure and. I don't know. I guess to me, when I look at the big picture, I, I was concerned about the depth, but this group is athletic. 
you know, and I don't know if there's techniques and, and maybe we need to give the coaches, you know, a, a lot more credit than what we're giving them. I thought the game where I thought, well, they really, really shine the most, to be honest with you, was Wisconsin. I know we talked about Iowa's defense is good and Minnesota's defense, but I think Minnesota, I think Wisconsin was big up front, and I, I was impressed. And the only reason I, I'm saying this right now, I was watching the Wisconsin and um, Illinois game again today, and you're right, Avery just an, he's an impressive specimen. I like what they're doing. I like the, the athleticism that Illinois has on the entire defensive side of the football, to be honest with you. So that leaves one uh, group on the defense here. Defensive ends. Matt? A-plus. Uh, Jazarian Newton, Johnny Newton is going to be a first potential first-team All-American. Keith Randolph is not that far behind in terms of his production. But but Johnny Newton is the best, the best defensive lineman. Um, and I think he's also a guy that has been able to be kicked inside when they want to do some, like, rabbit packages. Um, yep. And they kick Calvin Avery off the field. He's allowed he's he's lined up over the center and still gotten, you know, the a gap taken care of. And even on passing plays, you know, created a pressure like just like he did like at Indiana and at Wisconsin. Um, you know, Calvin Avery and the nose tackles have done their job that have allowed Johnny Newton to be the player that everybody thought he would be at Illinois, which is potential All-American. And Keith Randolph, when he's fully healthy has kind of been who we thought he would be. Um, you know, they've, they've had supplemental pieces with Bryce Barnes and Jamal Woods um, allowed them to, to take, you know, 10 snaps, you know, maybe a dozen snaps and allowed them to kind of take a breath. Um, but JMO doesn't really substitute a whole lot. And a lot of it has to do with the depth issue that they have at that position. But the guys that they have played a whole bunch, have not to have not tapered off. And and Johnny Newton is one of the most dominant defensive linemen in the country this year. And everything that it everything that has to do with is is JMO. It's Ryan Walters putting together a scheme that allows him to flourish. And then quite frankly, it's it's Johnny Newton being able to put together a a on tape a a, a 2022 season that's pretty phenomenal right now. With it's it's so weird. I want to say this because Johnny Newton's putting everything on film that scouts want to see from a production standpoint, right? But from a physical standpoint, he doesn't have long arms. He's not an unbelievable athlete, even though he played running back in basketball in high school and did all these things. Um, quite frankly, he's a guy that Austin Clark, who's coaching the Miami Dolphins in the NFL and Levy Smith saw in Florida and was like, this kid's going to be really, really good. Like, and they saw a lot of, what they saw with, you know, when they had their the Bears front um, with Johnny Newton. I didn't know how Johnny Newton was going to perform in a 3-4. Turns out you can put him in a 3-4, 4-3, a 5-2. It doesn't really matter. He's going to get into the backfield. So, um, And then I say that because Keith Randolph actually is physically, in terms of tools, God-given tools coming out of the womb, everything that NFL guys want. He's got long arms. He's tall. He's got an athletic body. He's, he can jump out the gym, do all those things. And then from a production standpoint, he's putting together a really, really solid 2022 season. So with those two guys and then, and then what they were getting out of the supplemental guys, I, I'd give it an A+. Plus. Okay. Ked? I'm going to give this group an A. I'm, I want, I should, you know, I should be on par with Matt. 
when you look at this group right here, to be honest with you, you you're right. You know, as far as getting pressure and, and getting to the quarterback and, get, and getting in the backfield, if you look at the entire all the groups we talk about, this probably has the most talented, if not maybe the corners, in the roster than any group on the team because it has most NFL talent. I think there's a lot of NFL talent. I think there's going to be guys that scouts are going to be drooling over. I think because when you listen to the games, you know, you know, I, obviously I go cover the games, but when I get home and I watch the games and guys that have played the game, they're constantly talking about that position. And even the guys that have played offensive linemen and quarterbacks, they're really, really impressed. And they'll tell you, I don't remember what game it was. Maybe it was Wisconsin or maybe it was uh, the Indiana game. But they felt that probably was the best interior defensive lineman group in all of the Big Ten. That's impressive. Those are impressive statements. And those guys have futures. And think about what we're saying here. Illinois, you know, years ago, they would always have guys put in the NFL. But now they have legitimate athletes and guys that NFL teams are looking at to draft. That's how good they are. Yep. So the last thing, and, and the, the those, they're yeah, A plus. You know, it's a great group. Um, last thing, real quick, because we're getting a little long here. Um, what do we give our uh, special teams? We're gonna have C to do plus. it as a big group. C plus. C plus, because like it or not, um, Hugh Robertson's a reason why they didn't win the game in Indiana, um, and he knows it. Um, mm -hmm. And then they've had an injury issue that hasn't allowed them to kick field goals for the last, I think, three weeks, over 45 yards. Um, and so that's been a problem. Um, the reason I give it a C plus and almost a B minus is when Hugh Robertson does keep the ball in the field of play. Do you guys know how many punt return yards Illinois has given up this year? Negative two. Okay. The, 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 the coverage teams have been unbelievably good on both kickoff return and punt return. And that is a, that is a direct reflection of Sean Snyder being on this, on this staff for a year and putting together some of the best athletes that they have on that staff on, on those units. And it's a reflection of this year in year two of Brett Bielema having a whole bunch of starters say, Hey, I want to play special teams. You got Luke Ford on spec on four unit on four units of special teams. You've got, um, a whole bunch of guys who are starters that are saying, hey, I want to play special teams. Um, and uh, it's it's showing out there with what they're doing from a coverage unit standpoint and, and what they're able to do um, in terms of flipping the field and field position wise. And Hugh Robertson has, has after the two shanks in, in, in Bloomington, done a great job of, of redeeming himself in certain games, including the Wisconsin, Iowa and Minnesota games. Um, I think that Sean Snyder continues to work with him week for week. And I think that he likes what he sees there. Um, they're hoping Caleb Griffin gets healthy. And when that happens, I think that they can be a complete group and maybe even get to a B level grade in that regard. And when that happens, I think, I think that will, I, I think that will be beneficial to Illinois in this back half of the year, but right now they're doing just fine with, you know, a C plus grade with what they're doing consistently with every unit that they have of special teams. And in, in my opinion, Ted, I'm giving them a C. Um, the you know they struggle. You know, Caleb struggled. You know, kicking field goals early on. Um, I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't really. I'm not gonna harp on the the return last week. The 92 yard return last week. I, that doesn't bother me. It's gonna happen at some point. But I guess the reason why I can't go higher than I would like to see Illinois give the offense better uh, field position. 
I mean, they just, they fair catch, they fair catch, they fair catch. And if it's in the end zone, I would just like to see them, you know, break one themselves and get a 40, 50 yard. I've just, I've not seen that yet. And so to me, I can't give them anything higher than a C at this point. Well, that gives us some fantastic grades across the board. Certainly this, the first half of the season has made it uh, fun to be an Illini football fan again. For those of you who aren't really old, like Ked and I, uh, we remember the days of Illinois football and basketball being in the top 20 because there wasn't a top 25 in those days. Um, and that was pretty much an annual thing in the 80s and the early 90s. Well, in the 80s, and then let's not get into my anger over what happened to the basketball program, thanks to Bruce Pearl. But um, in the 80s, you know, you would have uh, guys like David Williams, Jack Trudeau, uh, Craig Swope on the football field, leading the team, you know, to the top of the Big Ten. And then you'd have Ephraim Winters, Bruce Douglas, and the guys on the basketball side leading the team you know, in, into the top, top of the big 10. So it was a fun time. And I feel like for the first time since John Makovic and Lou Henson were coaching together, we've got two capable and very competent head coaches and they've assembled two very strong staffs to support them. So Illini fans, uh, we head into the final five hoping that the final five uh, does well enough to get the Illini. I mean, look, I'm good with them sweeping the final five, beating Ohio State in the Big Ten title, and then winning two more in the college football playoff to get Illinois' first national title. I'm not certain that's going to happen, but, you know, uh, a four-and-one finish, um, you know, would be a fantastic way to finish these five games. And, of course, if you are looking uh, to stay up on that, IlliniGuys.com is where you want to be. And check out our podcast. you got Eye on the Illini. You have Sturdy for 30. You have Keds Recruiting Roundup. A lot of good stuff there. And we also have the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular and Big Sports Radio. Those are two two-hour radio shows that come on the weekends. Check your uh, local listings. Uh, also, go ahead and take a look. Um, if you go ahead and take a look uh, on your podcast, you can actually get both of those, the Illini Guys Sports Spectacular and the Big Sports Radio Show. Uh, you can get those on just about every um, podcast distributor, and you can listen to those. They, they land at 12 p.m. on Saturday, and we'll get you ready for all the college games. So for uh, Kedrick Prince, Matt Stevens, this is Mike Kegley. Thank you for listening to the, uh, the, the mid-year exam, and we will uh, talk to you guys later, and go Illini.